1: From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them.
0: We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time.
1: It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness.
0: Happy Wellness Wednesday. Today on the podcast, we are joined by dynamic duo, sisters, and boss babes, Ryan Birch and Jess Zucan, the hosts of the podcast Solo 2.0. Jess is a board-certified holistic health coach at Body Bliss by Jess with a deep understanding of holistic nutrition and the importance of prevention. She also has a personal journey with food and her body that will blow you away. Ryan is the co founder of Your Hormone Balance, a company that helps people rebalance their hormones to relieve
1: symptoms and restore balance in their lives. On this episode, we cover Jess and Ryan's personal journey to wellness. We discuss their upbringing, food issues, career challenges, changes, and more, and go deep into a conversation that will inspire you to live your happiest life. We also go into food and balance tips for the holidays. Jess and Ryan also launched their new podcast, Solo 2.0, which stands for She Only Lives Once. Be sure to check out our show notes for a link to their podcast, where we will also be featured as upcoming guests. Enjoy the episode.
0: This episode is brought to you by Beekeepers Naturals. If you listen to our episode with founder Carly Stein, then you already know how powerful Beekeepers Naturals products are. Beekeepers Naturals is a wellness company specializing in innovative nutraceuticals made from healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients. Their mission is to improve people's health naturally and save the bees. Allie and I are absolutely obsessed with these products and I've been using them consistently since December when Carly was on the podcast. So Allie, what is your favorite Beekeepers Naturals product?
1: I love the Propolis Throat Spray. I've used it consistently through the year and it's been my immune system's secret weapon, which makes sense since propolis is basically the immune system of the beehive and has germ-fighting properties. What about you? I love
0: the propolis too, especially as somebody who always had strep throat and throat infections. It has seriously changed my entire life. <laughs> but with that said, my favorite product is the Be Chill Hemp Honey. Be Chill Hemp Honey delivers a powerful 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon so that you can find your bliss. Made with USA grown hemp, it is non-psychoactive and contains 0% THC. I sleep like a baby when I take it before bed and it seriously takes the edge off of my whole day. It also hits the spot when I'm craving something sweet after dinner, which is just an added bonus.
1: If you wanna try the Propolis or the Beachel Hemp Honey or any of the other amazing products, you can receive 15% off your Beekeepers Naturals order by using the code Courageous Wellness, all one word at checkout. Or visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash Courageous Wellness. And you can also find the direct link in our show notes.
0: We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic.
1: Erica uses the Lion's Mane in her morning superfood coffee. And even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains my mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout. And there's also a direct link in our show notes. ladies welcome thank you for joining us today thanks for having us we're excited
2: thank you so much
1: yeah so just to get started um can you tell us a little bit about your individual journeys to wellness the wellness world and and what that looks like and means for you now yeah just in a couple of minutes you know take take Uh, whatever you need that's the part I struggle with
3: so
2: (laughs) here we go yeah
3: Um, yeah, so I really, my story dates back to, um, coming off of sports teams in high school, being really active, not ever having to think about my weight being raised in a really healthy household. Our mom is a hormone health educator, always has worked in health. Um, we were really fortunate to always have home cooked meals. We ate organic, we you know, we didn't really do a lot of dairy. We were also really creative as a family. We would do like family plays and we don't watch a lot of TV, but as you do when you're in high school, you rebel a little bit. And I didn't really want to eat the brown bread sandwiches and the fruit that was in my lunch bag. I wanted to go off campus with friends and be a teenager. And I felt like it was embarrassing that I ate that way. And so I started to go to Starbucks and get pastries and um, go to my friend's house after school and eat like a tub of mac and cheese and then go home and still eat with my parents and just really kept it private. And so I gained a lot of weight really quickly at my senior year of high school when I came off of the sports teams and just kept eating that way. And it really was fast. Like I would say in a few months, I probably put on 30 pounds. Mm. And from there, it was just like, okay, now I'm about to go into college. I want to fit in. I want to meet guys. I want to be, you know, I'm like competing with these sorority girls. I had heard about hazing. I was like, I don't want to be hazed. And um, so I started to restrict myself. It started with diet pills and moved into like the Atkins diet, calorie counting, the master cleanse where I was drinking like ginger juice and cayenne for three days, almost passing out, trying to work out at the same time. Also, in a pretty abusive relationship all through college, uh, mostly emotional, but really made me feel like I needed to look like a different person. Um, so, all of that kind of shaped my body confidence and the way that I felt about myself. I always felt really small and I was pretty shy and um really was only outgoing when i was like out with my friends drinking and partying and then would restrict myself in the week and that went on until after college and and basically for almost 12 years so even when i met my husband about a year and a half after college i still was restricting myself in ways but i had come to a healthier place um in relation to everything I was doing before. But we moved to L.A. about five years ago. And as you can probably all relate to, and again, the comparison game started to come up and it was like walking to my job in West Hollywood, seeing Instagram models and like, oh, okay. So now I have this other pressure and I also have this super stressful job in PR and marketing and wasn't eating regular meals, wasn't taking breaks um, was just really stressed out of my mind. And so while yes, I had really improved certain aspects of my health and wellness lifestyle. Um, you know, I was eating more vegetables. I was more aware of like what the foods were doing in my body, but still to me, what really mattered was like the calorie content. And so I was just counting like I mean, I, I wasn't counting calories, but I, you know, when you diet and you kind of, Erica, you can probably tell to this, like I could tell you how many calories is in pretty much every food, mm-hmm. um, to this day. And so doing that and then the stress in PR and marketing was so intense. I never had a balance. It wasn't fun to be around. I was constantly like that kind of stress. That's like up to your throat where you like feel like you're going to explode and, I got these, like, terrible migraine headaches, which I had always dealt with headaches and migraines growing up, but this was, like, unacceptable. It was, like, every other week I was getting a migraine and, like, driving home and, like, projectile vomiting, laying in a dark room for days on end, went to urgent care a couple of times, was, like, put on, like, five different medications. I was taking Vicodin. I was, like, Ryan and I joke about, I mean, it's funny now, but, like, going back for Christmas and popping Vicodin, drinking wine, taking a hit of weed, which I like don't even smoke weed just because I'm like, I need to get through the holidays. And, um, finally was like, no, this is ridiculous. This medication isn't helping. Every time it wears off, I get another migraine. I'm not getting to the root. Mm -hmm. So I started to really like delve into what my mom had taught, um, growing up and like dive back into like holistic care and, um, signed up for the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which I know you both are enrolled in, and just really learned a lot about the mind-body connection, mm-hmm. about how one person's food can be another person's poison, and it's not about the food at the end of the day. It's about all the other things going on in your life, and that's what I wasn't addressing, was like I was not focusing on self-care. I didn't even know what it meant. To me, it was like drinking with friends on the weekend. Um, So really honing, like tuning into that, and then... Um, doing an elimination diet to figure out what foods were triggering me, but also knowing it was a compound compounding effect. Like I couldn't just eat all the right foods. I also had to reduce stress, um, exercise, you know, um, all that. So spend time with family, spend time with my husband. So I really cured myself through those holistic practices, I have had p- bad headaches since then. I've probably had one migraine since then, but that's over almost four years now. And I have never had a migraine like I've had back then. Yeah. And not, I used to have more headache days than not, which I remember like planning my social schedules around like, well, I think I can go, but I, if I have a headache that day, then I might have to cancel. And I don't have to do that anymore. So I really just felt like I wanted to help other people find relief. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to take a big jump and leave that career because it was the, it was the piece where I'm like, this would be so, um, contradictory to like go to school full time or not full time. It's part time, but like go to school and then work full time. And then also be trying to like grow a business. I would be so much more stressed. So I quit and I won't go too far into that, but like did so many side hustles, which I'm a huge like, do your side hustles, you know, or, you know, have a plan. But I definitely wasn't going to quit without having any income. Yeah. So I served, I had freelance clients. And over the next couple of years, I grew my business to what it is coaching women, hosting wellness retreats and events, now starting this podcast with my sister. And I feel like
2: I never want to look back. And yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And for you. Yeah, so it's interesting because we were raised in such a healthy home. I think for other people, it's like their journey to wellness is, well, I mean, I think a lot of people are raised in a healthy home. But if you weren't, it's like maybe something major happened to get you into that. Uh, For me, I didn't have, I mean, it's interesting because we just didn't really have to think about food as much. Everything was organic. You know, our parents even made our lunches in high school. Like, they just were so concerned about us eating well and hormone-free and all of these things that are kind of buzzwords now. Um, None of my friends' parents were talking about then. And so it was just – we didn't think about it. You know, I didn't have a weight problem, but I did – always have stomach problems, which is interesting that we were in this very healthy home, but Jess always had headaches. I always had very bad gut issues, which my mom to this day is like, how did that happen? You know, what did I do wrong or something? But, you know, these things you can't control always. I was actually a C-section baby and there's research that, yeah, really? Okay. me too. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the 80s, I, I don't know when you guys are born, but yeah, eighty nine. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: So I was gonna say the '80s babies. I feel like it was very common.
2: Yeah, and apparently there's a link to IBS yep. and all of these gut issues. So I think that that makes sense. Um, but anyway, so I always dealt with that. I just never really thought about. Too, I was. I've always been very self conscious, for sure. Um, but I didn't have an like very obvious weight problem or anything. But getting into college, I started, you know, there's drinking. I didn't really know how to cook for myself. I'm still not a good cook. So it was like, okay, I was never into exercise. Sports is not big in our home. So I I think college to my first career was when I started needing to learn how to eat well. I actually became a weight loss consultant in college, just was as well, for this company called MRC. Very random, but our mom was working with the company as well, and they needed consultants, young girls, and they had centers all over the country. And so that job was very interesting because here I was in college partying, and then I would go to this consultant job and tell women, you know, like, stick to your plan, you know. Oh, you had an apple, that's not on your plan. And I'm, like, hungover. So there were all these contradictions within it, but I also learned to be good in that job and I loved working with women and helping women and it was all about it was a lot of talk therapy um but I also learned a lot from that eating program uh there's a lot of issues with it and Jess really she worked at a different center and they she had a lot of issues too um but I I did learn kind of I became aware of like eating more vegetables and how much protein and that helped me uh, lose a little weight that I'd gained from all the drinking and unhealthy habits in college. So transitioning into um, kind of the real world, I guess I had a good grip on my weight, um, but I needed to start getting into exercise. I met my fiance. He's like a soccer player, very fit. So exercise, all of that was in place. But then when we moved to LA, I got a job as an event producer, which was my dream job. And I, It was an awesome experience. I was on the Red Bull team. I was traveling to major events all over the country and like young, working with all girls, um, you know, and it was glamorous from the outside. But being on the road all the time, um, my gut was getting really bad. You don't have the foods that you need. You can't prepare anything. Um, There's no time for exercise. I have always had sleeping problems too, insomnia, my dad has insomnia. So that got out of control and all these things were out of control. And although we'd been raised with these healthy principles of balance and all that awareness, it just, the pendulum in my life was swinging so far just to this job. And like, what am I in this for? Because it looks cool from the outside. This is not actually my dream anymore. Uh, This is way too stressful. So I quit without a backup plan and that kind of took me into this phase of my life where I was I was a journalism major so I started writing about all the things you go through when you're in a career transition being very honest about the ups and downs that I was experiencing and I got articles picked up and it was this exciting time and it was my time of I have no idea what I want to do but I don't want to ever be this stressed out and out of balance again. And it was a real soul searching period of time. And I ended up kind of discovering writing doesn't pay the bills necessarily. I started a blog with a friend of mine, um, solo, she which I am relaunching and which is connected to this podcast we've started. But it was this time of, um, just really digging into who am I, what do I want to do? What am I interested in? I got a job, um, for a catering company, a high-end catering company LA, it was still events, but it was local and it was manageable. And I was able to transition from the event role to a business development role at that company. And that's really changed my life because um, I found something that I'm really good at. It didn't stress me out. Um, And so I think just, for me, career goes hand in hand with all of my major health and wellness lessons. I had to get out of that career to be a healthier version of myself. And I have now had the space. I I was very particular about looking for a job next that had flexibility so that I could, you know, not stress about just knowing yourself. I was having sleep problems. I, I need to be in a job where I can maybe sleep in a little bit. I don't have to be at work super early. So working from home was better for me or, um, I, I can have access to the foods I need and, I have, I have a lot of, um, odd health issues still. Like my gut, SIBO is an ongoing thing for me. Um, the sleep is probably forever going to be a thing for me, but I've set up my life now in a way that I can manage those things. Um, and I did just recently get a new uh, diagnosis and autoimmune disorder, which is a, a new shock. Another thing that is, it's very rare and, so I'm um, still working on managing those pieces, but I'm very passionate about helping other people really discover their strengths or skills, creating a life that, you know, is, is right for them, helps them feel confident and confident and strong. And that's really what our uh, podcast is about, you know, stepping into that next level version of you.
0: Wow that's incredible and there's so much I want to unpack with both of your stories but first you know you've mentioned your mother a couple times and I know that she works
2: with hormone health so maybe you Mm -hmm. could just speak to that as well yes so our business is Your Hormone Balance. She, Our mom is a health educator. She got her master's in health education in the 70s, actually. Um, had a long career in health, wellness, as a journalist, just always advocating for safe, natural approaches to healthcare. care. Um, and after going through menopause when we were very young, she, um, she had these crazy roller coaster symptoms. And she was already a health educator but she didn't she hadn't gone through this hormonal crazy experience and so she learned how to naturally balance her hormones she changed her whole career she went and worked for the largest hormone testing company in the country as their director of education and was there for over a decade seeing thousands of test reports working with doctors and providers to help educate about um Bi- what we call bioavailable uh, hormone testing, which is really measuring your active hormone levels, which we do in saliva. Um, standard blood tests are typically measuring total hormone levels and not as accurate. So you're not able to get to the root of the symptoms being experienced. So that was her entry into hormone health. And then she decided to start her own website after you know over a decade of working with Doctors and not having necessarily the opportunity to work with women one on one, but she wasn't making any money. She didn't know how to get any clients. It was on the side from her job, and she um, she just she doesn't have a huge business. Um, sense, I would say. So I was doing business development for this catering company and I decided to jump in and start pitching her to podcasts, mostly for women our age, which was interesting because she'd been used to dealing with m- women in menopause or perimenopause. But we just got a huge reaction from her being on these podcasts and the business grew really quickly I've been able now to be full time acting kind of more in a CEO role my mom you know the way our business works is uh, we provide hormone test kit and consultation packages so it's the saliva test which we mail to you at home to collect your hormone levels four times over the course of one day based on a period within your cycle Mm -hmm. uh, when hormones are surging And you send your samples to the lab. And when we get the results, we have you get on the phone with our mom and she'll explain what those results mean. And then importantly, what you can naturally do to get in balance. We provide hormone rebalancing action plans and we're working on a suite of educational materials so that, you know, whatever budget level you're at, you can be learning about hormone health and how important it is in your life.
1: Love that. As far as like Again, we're talking about on your podcast um, accessibility and wellness, and then tools. And so, I love that you, there's offer there's an offer for different budget levels. Right. Um, it's so interesting that you both grew up in this home um, that had this focus on the sort of like this wellness focus before wellness was trendy, and. Bo- but both had to have these journeys before you came back as individuals to now also find your life work in the same space. It's really interesting. Yeah. So um, now as sisters, you've created this podcast. And how are you combining, or and I guess what is your goal with um, combining your skill sets uh, and to work together?
2: Yes. So Jess and I are a bit of a yin and a yang. I mean, we're very similar, but she brings all of this, you know, nutrition and food, knowledge and experience in the high, you know, the ups and downs of dieting and, but also just working with clients every day to dig into these different elements of our lives that contribute to health issues and helping people really get balanced. So uh, her experience plus I guess my focus on finding, helping people find purpose and step into their power and find their voice. I'm maybe more on the side of, um, I guess, like career and uh, finding your path. And Jess is, is is nutrition and self-care. And I mean, there's overlap, but it just works really well together. And I think ultimately Solo 2.0 is the name of the podcast. It's about stepping into that next level version of yourself, that You know, there's so many versions of ourselves that we can be, but what is that next level? No one's perfect, so that we all have these goals. So, you know, improving, there's got to be a a relationship you can improve, or do you feel perfectly happy in your career, are there steps that you can be taking to feel more fulfilled or feel like you're on a track to whatever your version of success is? Um, You know, just basically what we want to do is provide conversation and education that A, inspire and motivate people to make change in their life. You hear this in this, these stories as you guys provide for people as well. And it's like, wow, they took risks. I can do this too. So it's first inspiring and hopefully motivating. And then the flip side to that is that we are going to have experts and educators uh, that we want to dig into topics that people might not know a lot about. Um, and, and the important piece to that is having an opinion about something, being aware of what's going on in the world and, purpose and passion are thrown around all the time today, like find your purpose, find your passion. How do we do that? You do that by being aware of what's going on in the world and caring about something and figuring out how to make your mark, how you're going to contribute. So we want to kind of uh, help people achieve those things through these varieties of conversation. I love that. I'm so excited <laughs> to be
0: uh, a subscriber and a listener. No, that sounds so great. Thank you. And so, you know, with with your weight loss and food journey and food story, was there, I'm so curious because food is so emotional for so many people and I think so many people can um, relate to your story, mm-hmm. especially, um, you know, like, Like you said, like you'd go to your friend's house and you'd eat and then you'd still eat when you get home. Mm -hmm. Right. So I know you talked about how you lost the weight before college and, but your restriction continued, you know, Mm -hmm. throughout, (laughs) you know, your, your early twenties as well. But what was, I guess, like the catalyst for change? Like, when did you feel like I, I feel okay with food or has that Mm -hmm. come,
3: (laughs) I mean, I feel like when I was first coaching, when I first became a health coach, I don't know, I'm sure other coaches have experienced this. I mean, I know that they have where it's almost like that imposter syndrome or like the need to say that you've found, you know, complete happiness in your own body and that you have this like perfect way of eating that works for you because you almost feel like, well, if I'm a coach, I should have it all figured out. And I mean, if somebody has gotten to that place, that's incredible. And, you know, hats off to them. I think that's wonderful. But I rarely find even women in coaching roles because it is a daily work in progress. Like I have to remind myself every single day that I'm worthy. Like I have to remind myself of the qualities that I like in my own body, because some days I will look in the mirror and not like what I see. And I used to not share that when I was first coaching. I used to try to come across like I had figured out the way of eating that worked for me. I had figured out like not necessarily saying like I'm fully confident, but I didn't really talk about as much the insecurities. And now I'm really embracing that because I feel like more people can relate to that. And it, gives, it makes me feel like I have permission to go through my journey still and to change when I need to change something that's not working for me. So I wouldn't say that there was ever a moment where it was like, oh, I have this figured out. I'm like fully confident in my body or my food. But I do think that when I had to go through the elimination diet for my migraines and when I enrolled in IIN, it really was so impactful for me to know that it's not just about the food physically on your plate. I had always just thought it was about the food and like that was the one area of my life. I always felt like I could control. So if everything else fell out of control, I could at least count calories. I could eliminate food groups. Like I could just control the situation. And I am such a planner where I will tell you, I also was in event production and I'm very like organized and, I just like things a certain way and, um, a very structured. So that worked well for me with diets because I can be very all or nothing. So I was like, oh, just tell me exactly what to eat and I will do it. I will not teeter. I will not veer. Like I will do it perfectly. And so I was like a perfect dieter. I would just get a plan and stick to it. And as a result, I would like freak out if you know, I couldn't order something that was on my perfect plan or if people around me were like cheating on their diets, I would like get resentful. And at the end of the day, it was a projection of how I was feeling had nothing to do with them. Like, I wish I could have like a bite of that or I wish like I had that confidence to just go out and say, hey, I'm going to have pizza tonight. It's fine. Um. So I don't know if that like, I you know I kind of went a couple directions, but if that sort of
1: answers your question yeah I mean it does and I'm I'm actually curious so you went through these years of control and yo-yo dieting and like sticking to these plans Mm -hmm. um but I know in some of your sort of like biography and something that I've read about you you talk about what kind of havoc that can wreak on your actual body right like Mm -hmm. you're restricting down to 1200 calories you go into caloric deficit and then all of a sudden and you can't maintain that and then all of a sudden your metabolism is like shot shot yeah and so the second you are no longer eating in that like that level you're going to gain weight right Mm -hmm. um or your hormones get out of whack so then how do you when you've been so used to like controlling things how do you go about taking the steps perhaps the physical steps or the nutrition steps to heal those aspects of your body without, A, what were those steps? But then also, how do you manage the emotional side of that mm-hmm. when there's like the control has been such an issue prior mm-hmm. to it?
3: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is like surrendering and letting go a little bit and knowing that you don't have the outcome and that you might gain a little bit of weight. And, and that's, that was always terrifying to me it's still scary to me. You know, I, I still struggle with that where I'm like, Oh man, should I have this many, you know, carbs or whatever it is. But like, I think that what is, what was really freeing for me and, and I'll get to like the physical stuff, but like what was really freeing to me was deleting like the, my Pal app, the calorie tracking apps, because that was my obsession I didn't feel like even though I probably knew the calories of every food, I needed it to be calculated for me because I didn't even want to go over by like 15 calories. I mean, it was chronic. It was it was mental. Like I was. She was not a lot of fun to be around. Yeah, it was not a lot of fun to be around. It was I truly wasn't. I was so uptight. Um, I mean, I, I've i told this story before, I've like had an outburst on Raya's birthday because it was her birthday And everyone wanted to get cookies or we went to this like chocolate shop and my parents were both on the MRC diet and I was too. And I was just like such a bitch. I was like, oh, really? You guys are going to get chocolate? Okay, well, you know that that's going to set you back by like two days and blah, 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 blah. And just like had this freak out and ended up bawling like on my sister's birthday. And then they were like counseling me in the car on my sister's birthday. And I just broke down and was like, I just feel so like – out of control, and it was actually really freeing for me to be able to, because I'm very private mm-hmm. about about, or I used to be. I am. I've worked on that a lot. I still can tend to feel that I can work through things on my own, and so to have that release, I just felt like such a huge weight lifted off my shoulders because I felt like I was hiding a lot inside and pretending like I was fine. So. For me, it was that it was opening up to my family, saying how I really felt and deleting those tracking apps and just starting to get more in tuned with my body. When I did the elimination diet, that's really where I noticed the profound effect that food can have on your hormones and just your physical well-being because I never realized and it's so silly to say, but I was like, oh, it's a headache. There's something in my brain that's off. You know, like not, oh, it could be my gut.
1: Like that it's all connected. Yeah,
3: that it's all connected. I was like, oh, there's something in my brain, like maybe stress or who knows. Like maybe there. it's a result of like this injury. I had had a head injury. So I always thought maybe that was what it was. And, you know, it wasn't. And so I started to read and I I just became fascinated. I was like, oh, my God, there's actually trigger foods for migraines and that's when the the pieces started to come together and I think that this really applies for like not just migraines but like gut health or all these other things there's this like threshold that I learned about and basically what it is is you could let's say that like your triggers are like for me it was like red wine um, which I loved. And then, um, champagne, which is a lot for everybody, um, processed foods, um, and dairy. And I figured out those triggers, but the thing is you would think it would be so simple. Like, Oh, I could just remove those and feel fine. But what I learned is that you might, I might be able to have, Oh, and coffee was a major trigger. So like I might be able to have coffee one day and I don't get a headache. So then the per The average person might think, oh, coffee is not a trigger. I'm fine. The next day I have coffee. I'm super stressed at work. I get in a fight with my husband. You know, I don't drink enough water. And all of a sudden I have a migraine. And it's like this physical threshold that just builds and builds and builds. And so that's what I started to learn is that in so many aspects of our life, it's about like that thresholds. And so it's not about being perfect. Like, that's truly not a real thing. I mean, that will drive you crazy if you try to be perfect, even on an elimination diet. So it's like just doing the best you can. And if you get to the end of a day and you're like, oh, I already had some dairy. I had some coffee. Like, I was a little bit stressed. Like, maybe I should, you know, get to bed early, take a bath, and, like, eat, like, a really super heavy, like, plant-based, you know, light meal and and just be mindful yeah I think that you bring up a really good point where it's
1: not one thing per se but it's like a combination maybe a cocktail of things and that one thing can be the trigger to set it off but the environment has to be there right like right. so if it's like the stressful day and the coffee and the this it's like that's when you know the, yeah. the perfect the perfect storm can happen
0: well, yeah and we talk so much too about like you know, our bodies are so intelligent and I love all of like the little bugs that live inside of us. Like I'm so fascinated yeah. with it. And you know, it's like, they're all working for you. Like everything in your body wants you to like live and succeed and be happy. And that just really empowers me when I think about it. It's mm-hmm. Super nerdy, but I love it. But, but with that said, it's like, and this is so hard too, I think, this has been so hard for me with like my food issues and and I think can be so hard when you do have food issues, but it's like if you're going to have that chocolate or you're going to have that cup of coffee or you're going to have that dairy that you know doesn't necessarily agree with you or isn't a quote good food for you, um, it's the way you do it, right? If it's like you're having it because your body literally understands like joy. So it's like if you joyfully have, you know, of course, in case you, unless you have like really serious allergies, like, <laughs> but for the most part, you know, if you have like low grade triggers, it's like a glass of wine with friends is very different than a glass of wine because you're stressed and like trying to reduce stress. Or, you know, um, sharing cake with friends on a birthday is very different than like, I'm going to eat five pieces of cake at home because. I feel sad. And so I try when I eat foods that I know, you know, might be more fattening or not as like, quote, clean to just really be like, how can I and it's a process. It doesn't always work this way. But like, how can I fully enjoy what I'm eating? Because my body like fully feels that. I don't know. It's just so when I started learning about like how our bodies actually like process and digest because it works with like kale and spinach and salads too. It's like, if you're eating that kale salad and you're miserable,
3: your body starts processing it and digesting it totally as agree. like misery.
0: So I don't know. I just think. That.
3: Yeah, yeah. I try to never drink because I need to like, you know, when you hear people like I, I need a glass of wine right yeah. now. You know, I, when I'm in that space, it's like, that's probably like the last thing I need right now. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, Actually, it was interesting when we uh, did Whole30, that was the first time that really came to my awareness where I think it was like two weeks in. And I'm not a huge drinker, but I enjoy a cocktail or a glass of wine. And two weeks in, I knew I was like no longer craving anything. And one night I really, really, really wanted a drink. And I knew it was completely emotional because I, I knew my body. Like at that point, it wasn't like I hadn't had real you know sugar in two weeks or it wasn't a fix. It wasn't a physical craving. It was like, oh, you're stressed. You've had a long day. And you want the quick, like that little buzz to take the edge off, right? Like I wanted a drink to take the edge off. And having to sit in that and be like, you're not going to have a drink because you're doing Whole30 right now. Having to sit in that was like, okay, this is an emotional thing. You're going to have to actually face what emotionally you're feeling right now and not – and then it just made me aware of, oh, when I am taking that drink at the end of the day to take the edge off rather than, hey, I really feel like having a glass of wine right now and just like being able to delineate between the two. Mm -hmm. It's pretty powerful.
3: I agree 100%. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So ladies, now that you have combined forces and you have this podcast and you're going to like with, with the help to empower women or probably anybody, maybe with a focus on women, um, what have you, what have you noticed since you've started doing your interviews? Are there any themes that come up for people as you, as you kind of explore topics in this space?
2: That's a great question. I think, uh, I think it's just starting. It's having the courage to make a change when things don't feel right. It's listening to yourself, listening to your body. Um, there's so much fear around change for people. Um, you know, the risks that you might have to take, but almost everyone we've interviewed has made. you know, we interviewed this woman, Deja, who was a dancer for Beyonce and Trey songs. And, Dancing was killing her on the inside, you know, and she just knew she had to take a break. And then she found fitness and boxing, and that makes her strong. But she's pulling from those skills and those strengths that she, you know, had, you know, from her upbringing and in her years of dance. And it just seems that way for everyone. It's being able to put together or connect the dots. Um, you know, and you're when you're looking when you're not happy and you want to start over. It's being able to really reflect and analyze what am I good at, what am I interested in, and where where could I go from here? And having the the courage to to make a major change. And everyone has different you know support system systems and modalities for making that work financially. Um, but the, the, the point is just is diving into the unknown seems to be a pretty common theme for creating the life that you really want. I think that's interesting and comes up
1: a lot for this generation of people, women. But in general, I had a, even a male friend say to me he's been in the same career for the last, you know, 13 years and um, is saying like, oh, well, yeah, my, my career is quote unquote stable, but like, look what you're getting to do. You're getting to create something that's your own. And I'm like, yeah, but I also have to like figure out how to make sure the bills are getting paid, right? Or whatever it may be. Um, And so there's always like a little bit of that, like grass is greener, but I do notice that people, since having started something of our own, Um, especially being someone that was in a field where I was always asking someone else for a job. And the second I got a job, I was working myself out of a job, which is really interesting versus like being a creative and build, working myself into a job, right? That's a new thing. And it's totally scary because it's, it's in your hands. It's like, it's your responsibility. You're on the line. So there does take courage Mm -hmm. to make the change, but, um, do you have any thoughts as to why this generation in particular is hitting this sort of burnout point? I'm going to say like I've noticed within like a decade of being a professional in the workforce. Mm-hmm. Well, I think
2: I, I think first and foremost, technology, you know, we're available from anywhere at any time and the expectation that you will answer your emails, that you will be able to work all the time Um, For me, you know, that that was that I was on event after event. I had to be in the office on Monday. The expectations are rising, I think, um, coupled with comparing yourself to other people from Instagram to LinkedIn to seeing the life that you think maybe you should be living. So it's just kind of like a it's like you're you're not feeling like your life is maybe as good as other people or you're not doing enough coupled with the fact that you're doing too much. And so that leads to burnout and overwhelm and confusion. And so, you know, and yeah, there's this culture around entrepreneurship and like make your own way. So that becomes confusing, too, because, that becomes attractive to a lot of people. I don't want to be in a corporate job. I don't want to have to do a nine to five. Um, but but the reality of entrepreneurship is it's not always easier and it takes a specific personality type. And so that's why we all have to just really focus on who we are. What are our strengths, our skills, our work style? You know, a, a job for one person is not going to be a good job for another person. So um, there's just all of these factors today. And um, that's what we really want to focus on is helping people just, you know, blinders on, focus on your path, check in with yourself and just keep moving forward. Little steps, you know. Yeah. Which is so hard to do.
0: Like it is. And it's a process, right? Like even if you get there, you know, like you said, there's always like the next level to get to because you up level and yeah. then the new challenges come at the new level you're at. Yeah, And we're so programmed with patterns, you know? So like even be it with food or be it with, you know, transitions, it's like even 2018 for me was such a big transitional year of learning to have conviction in myself and my choices. And I did it, right? And by the end of the year, I was like, oh my gosh, I have all this conviction in myself. And then 2019 came and like, and then I'm like, wait, where where was that like strong conviction that I had, right? And it's not gone, but it's a constant process to to like get because it's it's new pattern building, right? Because yeah. like living a life without conviction or leaving leading a life where I would just emotionally eat all my feelings, I did that for a lot longer than I haven't done that, right? Mm-hmm. So it is. It's just continuing continuing to reinforce new patterns. So you know what. How, what were some of the tips that you, like you found too? like, cause it is scary to make change. Mm-hmm. And how do you like work through that fear?
2: I'm i I'm a huge journaler, which is funny cause I heard you say that I think as well. Oh, it's you. Okay. Yes. Uh, Erica. So, um, I have always been a writer since I was little, I would write little short stories and write about my day. I have diaries from like elementary school, um, on, you know, so it's, it's so important, I think journaling to be able to connect with yourself. It's you know unfiltered thoughts on paper. Uh, you can learn from the things you've written. So I think for me, I have a regular practice of checking in at least once a week and analyzing every element of my life, from career relationships, eating, you know, what feels good, what needs work. Um, I do all kinds of exercises, but um, what do I want more of in my life? What doesn't feel good? I then make a plan. Okay, what are what is a step I can take, an actual action item um, to, you know, make an improvement in this area? So when we're focused on career, for me, um, making my major transition from that dream job, um, I did have to quit because I, I was becoming someone I didn't want to be. And I did quit without a backup plan, but I got scrappy quickly. And I think... The reality is people get stuck up on, it's kind of an ego thing and I experienced that too, but like, well, I had this great job and now I'm going to be a server, you know? It's like, well, I don't want to do that. And I think, I think it's just taking the ego out of it, putting your head down and being like, this is my path, I'm going to get to where I'm going however I need to do that. And so for me, it was like I got server jobs. I did part-time event work. I worked Christmas parties as a bartender, which I was never a bartender. Um, But you just get scrappy and you figure out how to piece together the money. Um, That was stressful. So I don't necessarily recommend that for everyone. If you can, if you feel unhappy in your career and you're scared, then take a little time every week to start researching jobs. I think the number one thing that worked for me was I was... Very committed to informational interviews, reaching out to anybody because when I quit my job without that plan, I had no idea what I wanted to do next. So it was like, I got to figure out who I am, what I want to do. I met with someone in fitness. I, I just thought about any area that I was interested, any possible area. Met with someone in fitness. I met with someone at Red Bull who had been my client. Maybe I could work there. On Netflix. I was I love. I love Netflix. You know, you just think about any area and meet with people, and it's not about talking about yourself, it's about interviewing them because everyone wants to talk about what they've learned and what their experience is. And you just say, you know, what do you like about your job or what what's hard? And you are making the decision of where you want to go next. So um, hopefully in those interviews, you also make an impact by connecting with someone. And a lot of times in my experience that led to future opportunities um, but that is one way to figure out where you're going um, to hopefully make connections that will help you get part-time work or some kind of job The informational interviews um, yeah just the regular journaling practice again turning to community if it's podcasts like when I was going through um, uh, hard times in my last job, um, I would listen to how I built this every day because it was uh, entrepreneurs have been super successful in this real story of how they got there. And it was just grounding me like everyone struggles. Everyone has been in a place where they're not proud of. And those reminders help keep me going.
1: Yeah, I think that's good advice. And you were also saying, Jessie, you you had your side hustles as you were building your coaching business. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, because I'm sort of this way, too, where it's like, yeah, I have a million other things going on to keep it all afloat while I'm building something. But what was that moment for you where you're like, okay, now I can take I can fully like transition and take that leap
3: to go full time with. coaching. Yeah. Yeah. That was I mean, I didn't. It actually happened slower than I thought, you know, in your mind, you get so excited. Like when I figured out that I wanted to become a health coach, um, I was just so stoked about it. And I had figured, I felt like I had figured out my purpose and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start growing my business right off the bat. And then obviously I need to make money. So I tapped back into what I had done when I, you know, was transitioning before, which was, I was a server And I mean, it was definitely a a shock to my pride because I thought when I took my apron off that last job, it would be the last time because I was going into the corporate world or I was going to get like a real job. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, wait, I'm going to have to like put an apron back on. And that's the last thing I want to do. But I was like, you know what? I made good money when I did that. You make good friends. I think everybody should have an opportunity to work in the service industry. Agreed. (laughs) And, um, And so, you know, I just started applying. And I got a job and I was serving like five nights a week. I would double most Saturdays and some Fridays. And then I was going to school at IIN and also simultaneously trying to figure out how to start a website. And then... I was think I was there. Oh, and I was doing freelance social media. So I did freelance social media for a restaurant. And then I also started doing it for this like fashion brand and, and a little bit too for our family business. And so I was just doing a bunch of different things. I was pretty overwhelmed at different points, especially when I started to take on some clients. And really the way that you get experience is you take on clients who don't pay you. Yeah. And so I'm not making money from it. And I would be like driving to that serving job on a client call on the speaker and then clock in that. I would like text clients back in the bathroom. I think my coworkers thought I had like a bladder issue because I was always <laughs> in the bathroom and just messaging them back. And then I would like leave and be on the phone. And I never told any of my clients that I also worked at a restaurant because I was like, I want to fake it till I make it, you know? And, um, yeah, so I think that's really what helped me. And then eventually I just started I got a great opportunity because my mom was on a podcast, almost 30, mm-hmm. and and had been going on podcasts to kind of start growing that business. My sister was involved and we had a package that included a session with me. And so I started to get these sessions and I started to be able to start talking to people. And from that, I started to get clients. And then the clients, I was like, well, I have too many clients to be working six days a week. So then it was like five days a week. And like I slowly, then I like let go of the restaurant social media job, which was like 700 a month, you know. And then I was like, okay, now I'm going to do four days and I'm not going to pick up shifts. So I just kept slowly dropping stuff. And then it was like a huge decision that I had to make of, you know, just trusting and taking that leap. And and I did. I mean, I got down to three days a week, which was the minimum at the restaurant. And let go of the other side hustle, the fashion brand, which really wasn't in alignment at all. Mm-hmm. And and that's when it was like, boom, client, boom, client, boom. Yeah. And it was like, what is happening? It's because energetically, I was open to it. Yeah.
1: You like made the space in your life for it. I made the it. space. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. That's cool. And I'm glad you guys are speaking so
1: openly about the the hustle. Because it's real, and Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes people, um, you know, you were talking a little bit, Ryan, about the the um, social media, like the comparison game, and you know, when you're when we're constantly in this world of like. being bombarded by the highlight reels of people's life or like specific branding of whatever they're trying to create and curate, which is a valid part of marketing. We forget that it's marketing sometimes and, um, and that that's not always real life. That's not, you don't get to see the behind the scenes and what it takes, like the six days a week, nonstop, four jobs, whatever it is, you know? So I'm glad that you're speaking to that because I think it puts a little bit of a reality in what it takes.
2: And I just wanted to say briefly, too, that there's a flip side to that. You know, I've been a hustler. I've always had worked since we were young. You know, we always made our own money. And I always had, um, you know, in my last job, I was working for this catering company. I was building YHB on the side. I was building my blog and writing. And all I knew how to do, but everything was fulfilling to me, so I enjoyed it. But that doesn't mean there's not a consequence of not knowing how to slow down. And I... My biggest thing last year, my biggest struggle, we had um, our grandma passed away, our uncle passed away. We had um, someone in our family really struggling with addiction and it was all heavy. And even though I was now full time with our family business, I was able to quit my last job. I It was like my body shut down. It was like I had less To do, I just now had this one job and it was like the consequence of all of these years of hustling and not slowing down were hitting me at a time where I was so excited to finally just have one job and I suddenly couldn't really work. I got a back injury, a herniated disc. It was like my body started falling apart, you know, and and I just was so we I I follow all the podcasts about hustling and I follow all the people that are successful and I started feeling so down on myself that I'm not hustling as hard. I can't get my body to hustle as hard anymore. And so I think that it's just like not going too far the other way. And we talked about this in our interview with you. It's like maybe you're not the type of person that feels stressed out. But if you're not allowing enough time in your day for real downtime and you're really going, 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 something will give. Yeah. So that's the important other side to the hustle. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that to light, too,
1: because it's true. It's something something's got to give at some point. Yeah. Right. And it's a hard, for those of us who do that, it's hard to remember sometimes when you're not feeling it on the daily basis. Yeah. 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 These are both such, such good things
0: to remember. And I think such things that people talk about it, but they don't talk about the nitty gritty like you guys are sharing on both ends of the spectrum because, yeah, it it is. It does. It does look very glamorous sometimes from the outside. And there's a lot going on under Mm -hmm. the surface. Um, I also want to swing back to food for a second Mm -hmm. because, you know, um, I think, I think a lot of people, I know a lot of our listeners can relate to struggling with, be it food or finding the right program for them or any sort of, topics surrounding food. There's so many, you know, it's such a a loaded issue. But, you know, I know with the holidays coming up too, it can be even more loaded for so many people because, right, it's not just the extra pie that might be on the table, but it's dealing with family and dealing with a lot of different emotions. So how do you coach people, but also how do you for yourself help manage the holidays and, and all the food stress that can come with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I
3: just had a client the other day who said, I don't know that, and if she's listening, she probably knows it's her, but I don't know that we should continue working together in the capacity that we are because I'm always traveling and like I am on and I'm off. Like when I'm traveling, you know, I can't be like fully committed. And then when I'm in town, I can, But I was like, girl, that's the reason we need to work together as much as we are, like even more, because we need to help you to create a routine when you're out of your routine. For anyone who travels a lot, you know, or doesn't have a typical nine to five, you know, I have a friend who's a nurse and I've even kind of coached her because she's like, I literally like don't have like a second to grab even like a drink for 10 hours, you know, and and so it's like I've I've been thrown a lot of challenges in my own life with clients, with friends who have had different circumstances. And something that I feel like I'm really good at is troubleshooting those times and finding, like, realistic, helpful swaps, um, tips, tricks to help you to find that routine outside of your routine and to know that there is always going to be Thanksgiving. There is always going to be Christmas. Like, there are always going to be birthdays, celebrations, like travels that were unexpected. You can't plan your life out to a T, but those things are inevitable. And so you have to figure out how to navigate those times and still maintain a lifestyle that feels good. I mean, I feel terrible for the people that come out and I've been that person that come out of the holidays. Like, well, that was super fun. Now my life's going to suck for like six months because I have to put myself on a diet. I've start working out six days a week. I can't be social. And it's like, I would want to like, go crazy too. If I knew that that's what I was going to be doing to myself come, you know, January 1st. So it really is just about, I mean, I think just some like easy tangible tips would be starting, like just focusing on the morning, like the morning you know, creating a morning routine, it doesn't have to be extensive, but if you are traveling or you're celebrating cause it's the holidays, like what can you do to wake up with purpose and intention in the morning to feel really good? So maybe you start with a big tall glass of water, like before your feet even hit the ground, like you already have that water. You can even like create like a spa water overnight by putting lemons and limes in your water. And then when you wake up, it's already made for you. And drink that, you know, as soon as you get up. And then, you know, put your phone away. Like, don't touch your phone for at least 10 minutes. If you can start with five, that's great. And then work your way up to maybe 20. And go in the other room and make yourself a breakfast. If you're in a hotel, you can pack protein bars. You can pack... um, I just got a Blendjet. It's a portable blender. So you can... I need one. It's amazing. And I'm, like, not affiliated with them at all. But you can pack packets of protein powder you could pack some packets of mct oil you could pack coconut butter there's a bunch of protein brands i like um you could pack nuts you can make your own matcha in your room or your own latte with like different like i love four sigmatic mushroom elixirs um with adaptogens or or, or which are herbs that really help to keep your energy levels up throughout the day um And just have that morning ritual and plan ahead. So you pack all of that stuff to make yourself an in-room protein smoothie and an in-room latte. And you bring all of those snacks with you to control those variables. If you're at an airport, you're going to be spending a ton of money on snacks that taste terrible and it's not even worth it. You know, I'd rather save that treat meal or not even treat meal, but like I'd rather enjoy that celebration dinner and not be like, oh, I already ate this like, crappy $20 meal at the airport. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think just like really setting yourself up for a really nice morning routine, always packing, like spending a day or two before travels or going to your parents' house for the holidays and like pack your supplements, pack snacks you can have on hand, look up the menus ahead of time and order something that really makes you feel good. But that also doesn't make you feel restricted you know, get in movement every day. It doesn't have to be a workout video or a workout class. It can be like, Hey family, let's all continue this conversation on a walk. You know, there's like ways that you can move your body and eat well, but still celebrate and have the wine and have the Turkey and the gravy and the stuffing and, and come out feeling great. Yeah. That's
1: great advice. And I think it's helpful because I think there's also a lot of stress around the holidays, even stress, like, that may not be directly, oh, is can I stay on my food plan or my, eat my normal routine? But it's just like stress on top of it. So there's like this mindlessness that happens. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's really good, like sort of planning a little bit ahead just to consider some of the options, right? Consider right. like, hey, when, you know, things are feeling one way or whatever, we're all like cooped up inside, like let's go for a walk. Mm-hmm. Just like thinking ahead of a couple things that we could do.
3: Yeah. Like one other thing I'll say is, um, there was a trip. I wrote a blog post on it. I went to Mexico and the blog post was like how I ate tacos and drank margaritas every day with no regrets. And I really did. I love that. And it was like truly because like I literally ate the same lobster tacos every single day cause they were so good and like multiple margaritas. And I'm not saying to do that if you don't feel great, but I was doing it because I was so happy and like I was, there was no stress. I wasn't thinking about work. I was like totally engaged in all the conversations we were having, but like every single day without fail, I would wake up before the rest of the family and go to the pool, which was like beautiful, um, little infinity pool. Birds were chirping and I would swim laps and I just swam for 30 minutes and, and I would walk in the little jungle while all the people were waking up and it was quiet and peaceful. And yeah, I packed like my in-room lattes and I brought supplements for, I was with my husband and his whole family. Uh, we went to Costco and I said, let's just make sure we cook all our breakfast together. So I made scrambles with like fresh fruit from Mexico for everybody every morning. And we all drank like superfood packets, like green juices and they were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then I was like, now let's go get tacos. <laughs> that sounds so magical. <laughs> and
0: so you're talking about a morning routine, and I think that's so interesting. What? So now I'm curious, <laughs> what are your morning routines? Do you have one at home for your day-to-day?
3: For sure, do you want to-
2: Sure. It's funny for me too. I feel like I hear people talk about their morning routines a lot and I'm actually more of a night owl. So I feel like my whole day has shifted and I, I feel guilt around that sometimes. because I'm like, I should be a morning person. I should have a really great morning routine. But I'm realizing that like, I'm just a little bit different. You know, I, I go to bed later, I wake up a little later. And I am fortunate that I can do that now having, you know, my own business. Um, but I, I have practices in the morning, like, um, you know, Four Sigmatic, I have multiple beverages, I'm currently sort of doing intermittent fasting, not strict, but like, just pushing my meals back. So I'm starting a little bit later. Um, Some stretching, but I do kind of get right into work. So maybe I'm not the best person. I give myself about 30 minutes, but in the evening, you know, it's a lot of journaling. It's a lot of really taking the time to think through all of my priorities and get very well prepared for the next day. And then I do repeat that in the morning, just it's a shorter abbreviated version. Um, And, you know, I think exercise is is a part of actually more of my evening routine. Um, So I'm a little bit more flipped, but Jess has a great morning routine. So,
0: but I think that's great too, as a reminder, because I think like you said, like people put, we all put pressure on ourselves Mm -hmm. and it's like, if you know you're more of a night person, that's great. Like, you know, that's great. We don't all have to be these like perfect wellness robots.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a desire to do what other people are doing and, the one thing that I do need to get more into is is certainly meditating and hearing you talk about chanting is almost se- seems more effective to me because I don't, I think, again, it's your personality type. I'm not the type to like to sit in silence. Um, that really bores me and then I don't want to do it again and clearly I need it if that's the case, but there are different styles. So is it chanting? Is it this energy release instead? That's what I'm looking into. It's one thing that I hear a lot about that I'm like, okay, of course this would be helpful, but there are other things and I hear people getting up at 6.30 and I'm like, oh my God, I need to be changing my life. And I'm just now kind of settling to, no, my body is waking up at the same time every day when it seems to want to wake up. I don't really care if that's not a normal time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important, right And you have your evening rituals, which mm-hmm. set, you, set
3: you up for the next morning. Right. So that's just as important. Um, for me, I was like in a super great morning routine. Um, and I'm a huge advocate. I have a newsletter feature every month called the morning routine where I interview different people about theirs. Um, but I will say it's changed because I hired a personal trainer and I see him two to three times a week and we meet at seven 30 and I was getting up at seven and doing like a morning lemon water. I would journal, I would read a chapter from my book and this was all before I checked my phone, but I have trained my circadian rhythm. I think it's incredibly helpful, at least for me. I always fall asleep at the same time and wake up at the same time. And I just feel like that's given me so much more energy. So I was like, I'm not about to like wake up at like 545 or 6. So I can still do my morning routine. So my morning routine has changed. And I think that's a great message to be like, it won't always be the same. What works for me six months ago is not working for me now. So really, I maintain that. 15, 20 minutes without my phone in the morning and I foam roll. And I think the foam rolling is really nice because it's self-care and it stretches out my body and it's a few minutes just in peace. It's now a little darker in the morning and I'll just drink water. And then um, I usually didn't work before I work out in the past or eat before I work out in the past. He would like me to for energy and it has made a big difference. So it's nice to be told to be flexible. Like I need permission to be like, no, no, you need to eat to like fuel your body. And then I'm like, okay. So, you know, I'm eating a protein bar or like I just had a really nice sourdough with nut butter this morning and had that on the way and listened to a podcast. And that's sort of more of my morning routine, but it's different on the days where I don't train.
0: I love that. You guys have also inspired me. I I used to have a really great morning routine and it's kind of fallen off. And I feel though the effects of it, like I really do on my mental health. Um, so you've both inspired me to get back to it. Um, okay. you mentioned protein bars and I'm just curious what kinds you eat. Cause I know a lot of people are always looking for like quick snacks, but don't know oh, what gosh. is necessarily protein the Protein bars are
3: tough. I would say that like 99% of them are crap. I mean, and I'm not saying like, I don't like to put food into like bad and good, but it's like okay, if my protein bar has 20 grams of sugar and, like, 50 ingredients, like, I would rather just have real chocolate. <laughs> you yeah, know, or a candy bar. Yeah, or a candy that's bar. that's what you're eating. It would taste better. Yeah. It wouldn't taste chalky. Yeah. Uh, so um, there's very few that I actually really like. I do feel like if you're really hungry, sometimes a protein bar isn't that satisfying. I think – like, if you look at the calories and the carbs and the protein, like, you could probably have a smaller, like, a small meal and feel more satisfied. But if you're on the go, I like Bulletproof because um, it's all just, like, healthy fats and collagen protein. And they have, like, a chocolate chip cookie dough, which is so good.
0: They're so yummy.
3: So good. I also like Dang Foods, which is a newer brand. They have, like, a matcha lemon one. Um, and then I like Atlas, which is, like, a new protein that I found. Um, again, it's mostly like, I think it might have grass fed whey in it. I have to look. Um, yeah. And then Kalumi is actually, um, friends of ours. They started a Kalumi beauty bar. It's collagen with, um, sweet potato and different healthy fats, but I always look for whole food ingredients. And that's really at the end of the day, what I'm looking for and a good amount of protein and, um, low sugar and like, you know, if there's a lot of carbs, I'm looking at the fiber. So making sure that there's a good amount of fiber.
0: Those are really, uh, good tips. So, um, I'm now going to go into our two wrap up questions. And the first is, and you kind of touched on this maybe in your morning routines, but what are some ways that you both, um, take care of yourself? What are some of your self-care practices that are non-negotiables?
3: Yeah. So, Let me think on that for a second. I do a lot of different things because some cost money and then others don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to start with ones that don't because I want – I think wellness should be approachable to everybody, um, and it is. So for me, one major one is I am a sun baby. I am colds a lot. Ryan and I both are. Um, And I moved to Southern California because I lived in Portland and I couldn't stand the rain and being cold. And I just so appreciate the sun. And there's not a day that goes by where I don't love the palm trees. I'm looking at them. They make me so happy. So I pretty much every day will make sure that I get 20 minutes of fresh air. And that might be going for a walk in my neighborhood. It might be if it's sunny, just like planting myself outside and doing my 20 minutes without sunscreen um, and eating my lunch. So that's Kind of a non-negotiable for me. I feel so much better when I do that. I feel such a release. And then one that I would say costs money, but I think it can be important is automated self-care, cutting back on eating out at as many restaurants and putting that towards um I have a membership at Heyday Skincare, which is like a all natural facial boutique. So I do a once a month facial. I have it this Sunday. And I've really seen improvements in my skin. It's educational. It's like such a breath of fresh air. And I really look forward to it.
2: Yeah, I might sound like a broken record with the journaling thing, um, but that is really non-negotiable for me. I feel like the more days or time passes where I'm not journaling, aka checking in with myself, the farther I'm getting from my goals and making progress every week. So, um, not saying I'm perfect. It's definitely been, you know, getting harder certain weeks, and I'm like, oh shoot, I haven't, you know, checked in in a while. But mostly, that is a regular habit of mine and exercise as well. Um, you know, I try to. This experience last year of having herniated disc around the same time as like my body just shutting down from stress, I think, um, has forced me to listen to my body for the first time. I was always working out, doing a million classes, doing a million things, and my back was hurting, and I just ignored it. And now I haven't been able to ignore that, and so it's still I'm still healing this this joint injury too, and um, I'm having to really slow down. Last year I, I focused because I, I, I couldn't work out at all. And I was on the couch for like four months, really. I just was focusing on walking and it's like the simplest thing, you know, if you can't work out, like, and it's so meditative, just go for a walk. I mean, it's so obvious, but like, um, I wasn't making enough time for that. So now that's more of a normal practice, um, peppered in with strength training and some running.
1: Thank you. And we also ask all of our guests and, um, don't worry, no pressure on this converse, uh, on this question. But um, do you have any books that have been particularly inspiring to you over the course of your own personal journeys? And it could be like on any topic. It doesn't have to be a wellness related one, but just something that is important to you, a book that was important to you.
2: I need to get more into reading. So I I always was a big reader, but it's been something I'm trying to read just a little bit every day now. The most recent book I read that was really impactful was actually, um, I just went to the library and I grabbed something that stood out to me, and it was Brave by Rose McGowan. Mm-hmm. And her life story is insane. And it's like she was raised in a cult in Italy. She escaped from that cult and joined what she called. It's the craziest. You I really have no the, idea. The whole time you're like, is this true? But I guess it's been verified and it, it is true. And she has a documentary about it. But And then she says she fell into the biggest cult of all Hollywood. Mm. And I just love stories about resilient women who, you know, just finding your voice. And it's just that reminder, too, of. This is still a problem um, in Hollywood and a lot of industries that women's needs and voices are not heard. And shoot, that's kind of just the theme of the voice or of the book. And I'm so passionate about female empowerment and all of that stuff. But it just was like it brought it back that that real like feeling of oh my gosh you know we have to keep sharing these these stories women need to keep sharing what they've been through sexual abuse all of this stuff we have to be there for each other and honest and keep standing up to the man or whoever is trying to silence us and so it was just a really good reminder there's still a lot of work to be done Mm -hmm. for women
3: Mine is Heal Your Headache. I just always have to share it for anybody who has headaches or migraines. It's Heal Your Headache, the one, two, three-step program by David Bielkoltz. And it's the elimination diet that I went on. It's also um, the book that made me realize that it's all about a threshold when it comes to um, headaches or other um, physical, emotional ailments. So I, I would definitely say that. And then I also just read the book, Yes, please by Amy Poehler. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like her life story. And I actually really liked that because I tend to go more towards like wellness and like people that are coaches and stuff like that. And she's completely in a different realm. And so it was really cool to read her story and she's actually got a lot of um, wisdom to share.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And for our listeners who want to find you, follow
3: you, listen to you, where can they find you? So I'm at bodyblissbyjess.com and then bodyblissbyjess on Instagram. And then, Rye, do you want to share the podcast?
2: Yeah, our podcast is uh, at Solo 2.0 Podcast. Our family business is at Your Hormone Balance. My personal is at Rye Birch. Don't really update that very often. But, um, yeah, we got a lot of different handles going on.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate,
0: and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.